Well, it's great to see you all. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And uh, all of you who are online joining us, it is great to have you as well. And uh, we, uh, we've been in this series for a while, walking through uh, a good portion of uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, and just thinking about this idea that comes out of Romans chapter 12 about allowing love to be genuine. What does it mean to let love be genuine? Um, and so to talk about it here this morning, um, let me just uh, share this story um, if, or, and ask you this question. Ever have something happen in your life where, I don't know, maybe you saw the possibilities of what could be in some way and you kind of stepped out in some way and then that experience, you're like, yeah, nope, I'm going like a different direction on that? Sure, yeah. So like when I was a kid, I'm, uh, so... Look, a very young kid in this. My dad, who worked in construction, brought home this, uh, like a big packing bag or something. It was like the world's largest sandwich bag, okay? It was like this clear plastic bag, and it was probably, um, you know, in my imagination, it, it probably wasn't as large as I thought, but I remember as a kid seeing this, and my dad just brought it home, and probably, I don't know, he was going to use it for something, but I saw it, and I saw endless possibilities with this, because I was a hyperactive little kid, always, you know, looking for the next adventure. And I thought, this would make the perfect parachute, is what was going through my mind. So um, one afternoon, when my parents uh, were not paying close enough attention <laughs> to me, I got out this uh, giant plastic bag, and I don't know, it was, uh, I'm guessing, it was like six to eight feet, uh, you know, across the opening in this thing. And... Uh, I got this uh, big ball of string, and so I carefully, at the edge of the plastic all the way around, I carefully poked a hole, like every foot or so, all the way around this hole, this giant plastic bag, and then went back with like long pieces of string, you know, like maybe six feet long or something like that, carefully tied each string into the edge of the plastic bag all the way around until I had all of these strings. And then at the end, I tied all these strings in a big knot. And I had this uh, like playhouse or fort uh, that my dad had built a long time ago that was like on stilts and it overhung uh, this real uh, a wash in our backyard that, you know, it's quite a ways down. So it's kind of like a two, you got like a two-story height building on this thing. So I got my homemade parachute, climbed up on the, uh, the, the playhouse on stilts and it was the perfect day, right? There was just this gentle breeze. And so, you know, I unfurled my parachute and it filled with air and I could just picture you know, floating down to the earth. Like I was going to build my own pair. What a wonderful idea. And so I flung myself off the precipice of that uh, fort on stilts. And I remember as I launched myself out and, you know, pulled all the string or all the slack out of the strings. And I still remember looking up, it filled with air, right? Up to this point, it was just magnificent, right? Um, and then, just as it caught my weight, all of the strings just ripped through the plastic. <laughs> Didn't really think through that part of it. And I just remember as all the strings ripped through, I went hurling to the earth and all the strings just went whoosh, like into like one little rope. And I was just like... Whoosh. And uh, very fortunately, like what I landed on, uh, because it was the edge of the, the wash, it was kind of at an angle. So I kind of, you know, crunched into the side of the, of the, of the wash and spun around and, uh, you know, you had dirt in your mouth and rocks, you know, in your, in your skin. And I was, you know, a little bruised, battered and, and bloody, but I, I made it through, right? Obviously, because I'm here. 
<clears throat> but that kind of ended my parachute making days. I've just, I've never really gone back to trying to make my own parachute um, since then. Why? Well, because what I thought was possible, right? What I dreamed of, just one experience of crashing to the earth on your own parachute, and you might not be as infatuated with making your own parachute as well, right? Now, I say, I tell this story because it, it pertains in this way, because we have this experience with lots of things. And sometimes, sometimes it's a really good thing, right? We, we learn a lesson. As a 53-year-old, it's kind of good that I don't fling myself off of rooftops with homemade parachutes uh, these days. But, but there's another side to it, that sometimes we can experience something and maybe coming out of that experience, we cut ourselves off from ever uh, going down that path ever again. But maybe it's something uh, that, would, that we need to go down that path. Like, I think about it in this way. In similar ways, I've had relational experiences uh, that maybe I thought were filled with, uh, you know, all kinds of wonderful possibilities and hit a moment where something uh, about that relationship got uh, uh, difficult or hard or painful. And um, have you ever found yourself um, stepping out of a relationship and maybe not a, a real serious relationship, uh, maybe it was with a neighbor or a friend or a coworker, you know, maybe a coworker that you enjoyed working with, but something happened and you'd say, you know, I got a little bruised, battered, and bloodied in that, and I just don't think I want to put myself out there or be vulnerable in that same way ever again. And you just kind of close yourself off to it. And I think that that can happen. And, and sometimes as we go through life, um, we, we can start experiencing different things relationally, and, and again, the caveat here is this isn't about like having, you know, you know, relationships where we become best friends or like these super deep relationships. It can, it can happen in uh, more subtle ways. It can, it can happen with someone that just uh, is, you know, this time of the year, right? You find yourself uh, those that are maybe of a different political persuasion and you're just like, you know, uh, that conversation with that person about like, uh, like I just, I don't want to have anything to do with them again because like that, I didn't experience that in a positive way. And we can find ourselves cutting ourselves off from what is possible relationally in different ways. Um, it can happen with us in the sense that as followers of Christ, that suddenly we get into different conversations and we can find ourselves just wanting to have friendships or relationships or even work relationships with other people uh, who are followers of Christ. And not that it is a bad thing at all. We need to have relationships with other followers of Christ. Like there's a part of this where we are a family in a church. But what happens when like that, that circle of of, of who we relate to in a positive way gets smaller and smaller and smaller and we start seeing or believing we can't live at peace or in a healthy way with people beyond that. There, like there's this, this tension that we're always trying to avoid and I think that that can happen to us. And not because uh, you're mean or I'm mean or bad or something, it's just we can have these experiences at different moments they become a little painful and we start closing ourselves off. But it occurs to me this, 
that sometimes we can put limits on those and in a way we are putting limits on the things that God hasn't put limits on. That we can begin pulling back and seeing limits and what if God is saying, no, like, I, like there is a place to go back and throw yourself into something here. And what we're gonna look at here this morning is in the text. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. We're gonna look at this single verse. We've been kind of going through this passage, just one verse uh, at a time because it is so rich. There is so much uh, in uh, this chapter, in Romans chapter 12. And we're gonna look at uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 18. And uh, verse 18 speaks to this some, this idea of being at peace, being at peace with other people relationally. And again, it's not like what he is advocating here is this idea that we've gotta be best friends and super close um, and super vulnerable with everyone around us. But what would it be like to be able to live at peace with more and more people instead of that circle closing off more and more in this? So um, let's read what he uh, has to say here. One verse, verse 18, here's what he says. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let me read that one more time. Um, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Um, it's interesting. Uh, scholars uh, talk about how Paul writes this particular verse in a more straightforward way, linguistically and even in meaning, than a lot of verses that we would uh, read by him. In fact, um, you know, when you look at different translations of the Bible in English, you know, most often you'll see lots of different uh, uh, differences where different translators are trying to get at the meaning of what's there or whatever. Um, most translators translate this passage if not identical, very, very close because there's something just so straightforward about it. And I think Paul's trying to get at that. He, he, he wants this to be kind of a simple, straightforward thing. And it's made of these three simple clauses. There's three clauses. And as I was working on it this week, it just, it, it hit me that like, um, I'm gonna just, I'm not even gonna change the wording. The three points to my sermon this morning are gonna be these three clauses because I wanna just work through these. And there's even a little bit of a progression to this that I think has a practical side that's really good for us. And maybe especially in a time like we find ourselves in right now, because there's so much, if you, I, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's just a little bit of tension in the air in our world, in our culture, in our city, in our communities these days. And I just think what Paul says here, if we just unpack it a little bit, maybe offers something really helpful and good for all of us. So let's, uh, let's just unpack this and we're gonna look at this phrase by phrase. So, uh, and I'm gonna read the, the whole verse here again, but we're gonna look at this first one, right? He says, if it is possible, um, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So he says, if it is possible, is how he uh, starts off. And uh, this word possible in the Greek is the Greek word dinatos. And most often in the Bible, it gets translated as powerful or strong or capable. But uh, I think very appropriately so, 
it is translated possible here. And you're like, well, why? Like, that seems kind of like a strange difference, doesn't it? To go from uh, where you could translate it as strong or powerful to possible. Um, maybe the best way to understand what this Greek word is doing is to understand the English word that we get from this. So dynatos. Anyone know what English word we get from the Greek word dynatos? Dynam yes. Yes. Dynamite. Dynamite. Yeah. Um, so when you think about dynamite, right, it has the, it's powerful, isn't it? And that's the whole point of this word. It is powerful. But when you think about it for possibilities, it's like it has the power to create new possibilities. That's why he uses this word here, why you could translate it possibilities. Because like, like in the same way that dynamite has such strength or power to do something that opens up new opportunities or possibilities that wouldn't be there. And, right, and we most often think about that like in construction or mining or something that with, uh, with dynamite. Uh, you can apply it in a lot of different ways. And so understand the focus here is not trying to rule out what's not possible. It's not that it doesn't do that, but the focus of this word is not this idea of like, um, well, yeah, that's not possible. Can't do that. Nope, not that. Like, and sometimes uh, we might look at a relationship and we, like, we'll do the T-chart and we're just like, well, you know, they're a little crazy on this thing, you know, but, you know, they're, you know, they're nice in the morning, but they're kind of cranky at night. They're, you know, we go, through, we can go through all the different things and, and try and think about, like, what would we rule out? And that's not the point of this. It, the, the point of this word, uh, dinatos, is it's seeing, exploring the possibilities. When, when we emphasize the, like the idea of what's not possible, that's more of trying to use a lens of what's probable. What's probable? Well, this, you know, do you think my neighbor and I who've had some tension, is it probable that like we could work things out and, and kind of have an, a peaceful, cordial uh, relationship? Well, and you might weigh it as to what's uh, probable, but what he's saying is this is about what's possible. A great illustration for this is there was a movie that came out, I, I don't know when it came out, a long time ago, long time ago. It's called Dumb and Dumber. If you, yeah, okay, you all have heard this movie, right? Dumb and Dumber. Um, you know, if you would have ever asked, do you think you'll use the movie Dumb and Dumber in a sermon as an illustration of it? Like, <laughs> not a chance. But here I am, right? The possibilities are endless, right? Um, there's, uh, uh, it stars Jim Carrey, and he plays this character called Lloyd. And um, uh, he, he is so infatuated, so in love uh, with a girl named Mary in the story. And so there's this one scene in which Lloyd uh, is talking with Mary, and he says to her, he asks her this question, you know, Mary... Do you think there's ever going to be a chance that you and I will get together? Like he just, he wants her for a girlfriend so bad. Like, do you think there's any chance at all that we'll get together? And Mary's so nice. And she's like, probably not. Like, you know, it's just, you know, and he's like, no, and, or, or no, I'm sorry. She says, not good. Yeah, the chances are just not good. And he goes, not good like one in a hundred like, no, it's, 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 it's not good like one in a million. Yeah. And then he, Jim Carrey's like, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. Right. And that's just, it's just like, he sees the possibility, right? At one in a million chance. Yeah. Like he's hanging on to hope, right? 
That's a little bit like what this word is about. It is about, look, what is the possibility? Because like dynamite can create new possibilities you couldn't see. That's what this is getting at. Now, uh, Lloyd in Dumb and Dumber really has no good basis, right, for why he should hold out for that one in a million hope. But Paul, when Paul talks about this idea of is it possible, is there hope, is there, is there, is there a reason to put hope in this, his isn't baseless, right? Because he understands there is this other thing that has been enacted, this other thing that is below this. And he's, he's going back to what he knows of Jesus Christ and what Jesus has taught about this. Um, I wonder... I wonder if what Paul had in mind when he writes this is what Jesus taught, right? There's this moment when Jesus is with his followers and they're at this discouraged moment where it just like, it just, you know, they're down and Jesus reminds them. He says, you know, I want you to take on this perspective. Um, with God, all things are what? Possible. Be because once God is in the equation, doesn't mean that things are automatic. Doesn't mean that just because I pray for it, God, it's automatically going to happen. But the idea that, that especially with love and peace or grace or God's kingdom sweeping into this world, all things are possible in God. All things. And so for Paul, it's like, um, there's a basis for this. And just because it's not probable, Paul is wanting us to think in terms of, but what is possible? And what is possible in God, right? And so I, I want you to think about that. Even this week is, is you see something that has tension in it. And, and, and ask yourself, where is that? Maybe, maybe it is at work. Maybe there's a colleague that you've been working with and, and things have happened and sharp words have been exchanged and you just like, I'm going to go and I'm going to just do my job and like the idea of peace or like a nice working, like you've cut yourself off from that. I want you this week to say, okay, might not be probable, but it's possible. It's possible. Like take on that lens. It's possible, right? Maybe there's that neighbor and like there's contention there and you just, you know, you like, you know, they're the one that sent the weed letter to, you know, they're, they're the ones that turned you into the homeowners association for those weeds. And you're just like, I hate those letters. And I, you know, I just like, it's okay. It's okay. It might not be probable, but what are you going to tell yourself this week? It's possible. It's possible, right? Maybe, maybe there's that relationship someplace you know, it's, it's that person in your family, right? And they just see the world so different and they love to talk about it and you hate to hear about it. And you just, you're just like, it's gonna, it's like, but take a deep breath and say, yeah, it might not be probable, but it's possible. It's possible that you might find this place of peace of harmony in that relationship. It's possible. Tell yourself that. So now Paul goes on, right? If it's possible, if it's possible, and he's giving us a way to see this, then he goes on, right? And in this passage, uh, look back at verse uh, 18 again. It says, if it is possible, 
Um, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so that second clause there is, as far as it depends on you. And I love that he puts this in here because we can take on the lens, the mindset that all things are possible in God. But here's where we can get held up. This is the place that we can uh, get stuck is because it's like, okay, God, I know all things are possible uh, in, with you. But... Right, we all feel this. When it comes to relationships, what do we have no power over? The other person, right? That we are, that is where we are always reminded that we are not all powerful beings, right? If you're a parent, you know this. You found that out like this day two of having your first child. Like you are not all powerful when it comes to other human beings. And so in a way it becomes easy to become stuck. Like we can say, okay, there, there is that, you know, um, and maybe it's in your immediate family, right? Like who, like who is that person? And you just, and it's just like, okay, so God, when you change them, then, you know, then maybe peace is possible. I'll keep an open mind that peace is possible. I'll, like, I'll be open to that, but, you know, get going on it, God, you know, change that person. You do whatever you're going to do. And, and we can find ourselves getting stuck as we kind of understand how we're not all powerful, how we can't change what's happening in that person's life. And what I love about what Paul does here is what he's really saying is, you don't have to wait. You don't even have to wait on God for this, um, which sounds a little funny to say because I've preached whole sermons on waiting on God. And there are passages, there are times when one of the wisest, most spiritual things we can do is to say, I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to be patient and I'm going to wait on God. But what Paul is saying here is, in this circumstance, when it comes to letting love be genuine in a way of seeking or offering or living with peace, you don't have to wait on God with that. In as much as it's possible, like you can own your life, your actions, your words, you can actually step forward. Uh, like the point that I would want you to think of in this is um, you're not all powerful, but you're not powerless either. Let me say that again. You're not all powerful, but you're not powerless either, right? There, there are still ways for you to step forward uh, in this. I think about Paul again, who, you know, if there was any New Testament character that you would say um, could have strained relationships, it's Paul, right? Paul scared people. Paul ticked people off. Paul, like, like, Paul, Paul wasn't the best at always working this stuff out. And yet, the one thing that I admire about Paul is, is that he always kept coming back and as much as it was possible for him, as much as he could own it, he would step back into it. You know, there'd be times that he would be preaching in a community of people um, and they wouldn't take too well to what uh, he was having to say. Like he'd be, you know, uh, trying to help them understand the grace and love of Christ and how to trust him. And they would become scared by this, infuriated 
persecuted by it. Sometimes he would be beat up, thrown outside the city gates and left for dead, right? And that's usually when you say, you know, probably, probably I shouldn't go back in there. This probably isn't going to go. Like, like maybe, you know, maybe when they beat me up and left me for dead, that's probably saying, you know, we're not going to get along so well, right? Um, but not Paul. Like, Paul would <laughs> go back in there. Um, one time... Uh, he does this, they become infuriated, um, and I can't remember if they rough him up a little bit first or not, but they throw him in prison, like they throw him in jail, right? Talk about feeling powerless, right? They, they don't like him, they throw him in jail. And then there's a little earthquake, and it busts open the jail, and, and this is his moment that if he wants to flee, he can flee. And no one would fault him for that, would we? We'd be like, you know, they don't like you. You know, they wanted to beat you up. They threw you in jail. This is, you know, just think of this as God's little miracle. And you can go into the next village and maybe they'll like you a little better there, right? But what does Paul do? He stays, which is a really big deal because, you know, at this moment, the jailer, um, to, to have Paul escape at this moment, like the way this would have worked to keep people from being bribed to let people go and stuff, the, the punishment for a jailer to let someone escape would be severe. It could cost you your life. It could cost you and your family their lives. It could be torture. It, like, it could be severe. So severe in this story, what scripture tells us is that the, the jailer pulled his sword and was ready to take his own life, that that would be better than whatever he was going to face. And in this moment, what Paul brings to this in this moment is grace and peace and love, this amazing act. Of, he actually says to the jailer, stop, I'm not going anywhere. It's like he flings himself off that edge yet again to offer love and the possibility of peace again. And this time, like uh, the probable thing doesn't happen and the seemingly impossible thing becomes possible. And like this person, his one, this jailer is one over. Why? Because love is powerful, friends. Love is more powerful than dynamite. The offering of peace at times can make a way when, when nothing else can. And this jailer and his whole family come to be followers of Christ. See, like this is the thing that I want you to see, that, that when we change our lens from the probable to the possible, and as much as we have the ability to, to extend the gift of peace and love, that is when we bring God into the equation. That is when things happen that we might not have control of. That is when we enfold the possibilities of God doing something beautiful and amazing. Doesn't mean it'll always happen, but you open up the possibility to it happening in the most amazing ways. So here's my challenge to you. Take that step. Don't just wait. And again, I, I, I want you to think about this in all these different levels, because for some of you in the room right now and some of you online right now, um, it's a real personal, it is, when, when I ask the question, where do you struggle 
to see the possibility of peace relationally, you might see it with an individual. It is a person, like a person came to your mind because you feel a little bruised and battered and bloodied from that, that you, you took a chance, you, you stepped off the edge and they let you fall to the ground. Don't wait. Like, make the phone call. When you see them, don't avoid them. Wave, say hi. Like, like, and, I'm, and I'm not saying you have to be the most vulnerable person in the world, but in as much as you have control, what is the single step that you can make? For some of you, it, it may not be a single individual. It may be a group. It might be an organization. It, it might, you know, at work, it might be management, right? It might be uh, the union. It might be, you know, that other department. And you just like, they're always competing in the most unhealthy way. And it's just, and you want to get back. There's no peace. We're going to compete back with them. We're going to outdo them. We're going to, you know, it's like, what would happen if you just saw the possibilities of something different? What if, you know, again, uh, you know, this unique time that we're in where things are so emotionally and politically charged, how easy it is for us uh, to kind of revert to this really unhealthy kind of tribalism where, where we see people in our own country, in our own city, in our own community, and, and we, we can drift to thinking the worst of them just because, right? Of, of who they might vote for. You don't have to agree with who they're voting for. But you can take a step that's a step of peace and not animosity. And what would that look like? And what Paul is saying is, take that step. You're not all powerful, but you're not powerless either in this, right? So now um, he comes to this last uh, part here uh, that is so good. Look, look back at verse 18. And, and again, I, just, I, want us, I want us to hear this verse multiple times this morning. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Ah, that last line's a kicker, isn't it? Um, who are we to be at peace with? Everyone. Yeah, that's the kicker part in this, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone. And you want to just say, like, really, Paul? Like, like you know, like, like the neighbor that's got that one political sign? Like, the, do, you, do you know what political signs they have in their front yard? That, it's, it's like everyone, right? You know, the, the, the family member that's going to be showing up at, you know, at the next family get-together and just, and they just, like, they don't know when to shut up. They don't know, like, they have no filter for what they're saying and how it could offend half the family. And they're just going to, like, everyone, right? It just, like, and you think through, like, who's that person you think of? And Paul says, everyone. And I think about that, and it's easy to quickly think of this as like the, you know, Paul, is this like the beauty pageant statement at the end? You know what I mean? Have you ever, have you ever watched a beauty pageant and, you know, and they get to the, like the question and answer part, and it's like, so what do you want to do with your life? Establish world peace. 
yes, that's what I want to do. And you're like, that's so nice. Yes, but, you know. And, you know, and every other answer is Jesus, right? If, yeah, it's just like, I don't think that's what Paul's doing here. I don't think what Paul is doing is looking at you and I and saying, okay, what are you going to do to establish world peace? I don't think he's trying to put the burden of world peace on you and I. Um, I think what he's trying to do is ask us to be responsible for the, for the peace you and I can bring, right? There's a peace um, in every situation that we do have control over. And here's the point. You can be at peace with all without all being at peace with you. And I really mean that. Let, let me, in fact, let me say that again. Let me say it again. You can be at peace with all without all being at peace with you. And the reason is love and peace are, they're more powerful than dynamite. They're like, and, and you can offer love and peace without a compromise to what you believe is true, right? The, the reason Paul can say all of these things, the reason he can say this is not because it's dependent on how that other person will respond, not because it's dependent on his ability, but because there is something of such beauty and wonder in what God can do in all of this. That's why he can say that. We don't extend peace because we think we're so powerful that we can just shape and outdo everything in this. We do this because there's something about the kingdom of Christ that we believe in, that, that we want to give a chance to. There's something about it that even, even if we offer it and it's rejected, it doesn't matter because it is so beautiful. It is worth the moment of putting it out there just because it is that beautiful, see? That's the point in this. And so when he says this, he's giving us a way to live, not a responsibility of how we have to go change the whole world in this. But here's the amazing thing to me. The more we let go of that and just live seeking peace in as much as we have control over to walk across the room, to make those, like to, to see people in that way, the more we actually end up watching the power of love and peace actually change things in ways that we wouldn't normally see. Um, uh, and it's so easy to get caught in thinking it's not possible. Uh, years and years ago, I was counseling a couple. They'd been married like close to 15 years. They had struggled through so much of their marriage and they were at this place of just, uh, just deep, deep struggles. And so I met with them. Um, and it's kind of walking through this thing. And as I did, it was just like, uh, and, and I didn't say this to them and, and wouldn't uh, ever. Um, but like, I was thinking like, why, why did you all get married in the first place? Like, you are so different. Like, this is like, there's like, and just, and just the things that they held onto and the hurts that were so deep. And I did my level best to just like help them walk through this in a way where they could reconcile and be to this uh, really good place. I remember meeting with a husband for, it had to be close to three hours at a coffee shop and just kind of trying to walk them through these things. And I came away from that and it was just like, there's no hope for this. Like, I love them both. 
this just isn't gonna work. Like I just, I lost sight of any possibility of peace and love being able to hold that marriage together. And then less than a week later, I got a call um, from his wife and she was on tear, in tears. And I just thought, it's like, okay, this is, it's over now. And like, uh, and then she started describing how they like turned this corner and how, and like, and as she walked through the little things that they did, all of a sudden, like their marriage was, and, and I was the one going like, no way. Like, no, like, what? Like, like, and all of a sudden I was just like, okay, I gotta, I, like, Glenn, like God's in this. Like you got to give God a chance in this thing. And you know what? It's now been, if not 10 years, close to 10 years later. Um, I ran into them like six months ago and we, we kind of laughed about this. How, how they, and they were both at that place of ready to give up. And like at the last minute, they both just kind of took some steps in it. And the heartwarming part of it was what they told me was they said, you know, we still have bad moments. However, we never knew we could enjoy each other and enjoy our marriage like we have the last 10 years. And that was such a good lesson for me to just be reminded that when God is in the equation, nothing's impossible. And so in those moments where maybe you find yourself pulling back because you put yourself out there um, and you got... Uh, bloodied or battered or hurt. Always know that peace is still a possibility, that love is still the most powerful thing in this world. And as we think about this this morning, and I leave you with this challenge um, to, to play this out in, in your individual life, in those relationships, but I also want us to think about this as a church. Like, this is the thing that we have to offer in all of this. And just felt like uh, as we come to an election uh, here next week, you know, there's a good chance a good 50% of, of our population next week is going to feel hurt or scared or like, like feel more separated. And what would it be if we as a church just, and I'm going to ask us all to stand here in a second, and just stand in solidarity as followers of Christ to just say, we're going to pray for our country. We're going to pray for God's peace and God's love. And when we leave here, we'll just be ambassadors of that. We'll keep lifting up the loving thing and lifting up the kind thing and lifting up the hopeful thing and pointing people towards Christ. And let's just see what God does through us and through his church. So um, to close out this morning, I'm going to just ask all of us to stand. And I'm going to ask you all to just uh, pray with me in this as we seek uh, unity and peace, not just for us, but for our country, that, that despite our differences, peace and love might reign uh, strong. Let, let me pray. Um, Father, we, uh, we just come before you as people who have followed you, most of us long enough to know that even when something seems impossible to us, we've witnessed moments where you have done a turnaround that we can't believe. We've witnessed what it is to find re relational healing. 
And I just lift up every one of us that even in those spots, as, as often as we've experienced that with you, that we can in our own lives relationally with friends or coworkers or neighbors, find ourselves holding back and forgetting the power of that. And I just pray that you would remind all of us about that in our own personal lives. But Father, also right now, I speak on behalf of this whole church that we collectively, as your body, stand in solidarity, believing in your grace and believing in your power, believing in a love that you have that is beyond comprehension. And we ask that that love would flow through us and into our culture, our world, and our country, that as people are hurting and feeling divided, that you would find a way to bring healing, not division. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Have a great morning and we will see you back here next week.